essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hello again, wrestling fans. Welcome to another edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. I want to thank you each and every time you tune into the show. Whether you're listening to us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or any of the other locations that we can be available on. It's greatly appreciated. I'd love for you to share this podcast so we can grow our audience. And when you join us also on the Ontario Indie Road Trip on Facebook and the production line also on Facebook and YouTube. We'll be right back with this week's show when we look back at everything that happened in the world of wrestling, including last Sunday's Royal Rumble. See you in a moment. Hey wrestling fans, join me each and every Friday on our Facebook or YouTube channel for the production line. I stop by the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory and catch the stars of tomorrow being built today here in London. Tyson's been in business for the last two years and we've already seen stars come out of the factory such as Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Alec Realm, Jordan James, the Wavemaker, Kyle Boone, the smartest man in wrestling, Michael Grayson, Cyrus Bowman, Rodney Matthews, and Tyson's own son, Ethan Dukes. Many more of the students of the future are seeing their way to the rings in arenas nearby you. You don't want to miss the production line where you can see the beginnings happening today. On the production line each and every Friday. Check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, and located at 309 Exeter Road here in London. You hear the rumble in here? 
The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the wrestling factory. This is Tyson Dukes and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast, y'all. Welcome back to the show. As always, we check out what's happening with Smash Wrestling and Midwestern Wrestling. Smash Wrestling returns to London this Friday at Fanshawe College for New Beginnings. The Smash Wrestling Tag Team Championships will be on the line as Halal Beefcake defend against Death Threat Army. Today actually marks the one year anniversary that Halal Beefcake have held on to those titles. Will the title reign continue? We'll have to find out this Friday at Fanshawe. Then Joshua Pine will face Psycho Mike Rollins. The last time we saw these two, Pine needed to use his lifeguard skills to rescue Mike from drowning in a kiddie pool. One half of the revolt, Jordan James, will take on one of the pillars, the endorsement, Sebastian Suave. The other half of the revolt, Alec Realm, will be in singles action against another pillar, Mr. Punch Kick Chop, Tarek. Kevin Bennett returns to London to put his Smash Wrestling Championship on the line as he faces Brent Moneybanks. And in a street fight to determine the number one contender for the Smash Championship at any given Sunday 8 on February 23rd, the King of the North, Carter Mason, takes on the wrestling machine, Tyson Dukes. Their bad blood has been dating back since the Northern Tournament last year and came to a head when Tyson went after Carter's mom at Super Showdown. Since then, they can't be in the same building without brawling. Who will be the new number one contender when the dust settles? Find out. On Friday, February 7th, at Fanshawe College, as Smash Wrestling presents New Beginnings. Then on Sunday, February 23rd, Smash Wrestling returns home to Toronto for any given Sunday 8. It happens at the Rec Room in Toronto. You'll see the Women's Championship on the line as Rosemary defends her title against Veda Scott. Speedball Mike Bailey goes one-on-one with Mr. Punch Kick Chop. Tarek. There'll be an intergender match featuring Psycho Mike Rollins going one-on-one with Jody Threat. In tag team action, Bear Country takes on Main State Posse. Plus, Baywatch takes on the team of Philly and Marino Experience. In triple threat action, TJ Crawford, Sebastian Suave, and John Greed will all see battle. Plus, the Smash Wrestling Championship will be on the line. If Kevin Bennett retains against Brent Banks, he'll defend it on February 23rd against the winner of Tyson Dukes and Carter Mason that's happening this Friday in London. If not, it'll be Brent Banks facing off against the winner of Tyson and Carter. We'll have to see what happens, but the title will be on the line on February 23rd as part of Any Given Sunday 8, happening in Toronto on February 23rd. Smash It Wrestling also presented their annual year in review and rewards for the 2019. In their video, some of the highlights included 54 debuts. Some of those debuts included Anthony Green, Bella Bronx, Brian Cage, Chris Logan, Corey Stone, Ethan Dukes, Jake Jones, Joey Allen, Johnny Impact, Jordan Devlin, Josh Pine, Little Blay, Max the Impaler, Michael Grayson, 
Nova, Orange Cassidy, Psycho Mike's Conscience, Shiloh, Super K, TJP, Tony Storm, and Ultimo Dragon. Notable highlights for the year included the most wins by a male, Joe Coleman. Most female wins was Violet Lee. The most matches by a male was Tyson Dukes. Most matches by a female was Jody Threat. The first ever women's championship was awarded to Rosemary. The shortest title reign went to the Revolt for 24 minutes and 54 seconds. The most losses by a male was Tyson Dukes. Most losses by a female, there was a tie this year between Casey Spinelli and Jody Threat, and the breakout star of the year was The Muscle. As for the awards that were voted on by the fans of Smash Wrestling, the men's wrestler of the year was Psycho Mike Rollins. The women's wrestler of the year, Rosemary. Men's match of the year was Psycho Mike versus Orange Cassidy. The women's match of the year saw Casey Spinelli and Rosemary for the first ever women's title. The tag team of the year was Halal Beefcake. Tag team match of the year saw Halal Beefcake and Fight or Flight. Most popular wrestler of 2019 is Psycho Mike. The most hated, Kevin Bennett. The breakout performer of the year was voted by the fans, Carter Mason. The feud of the year was won by Tarek and Kevin Bennett. The show of the year was Smash vs. Progress. Moment of the year was Psycho Mike returning to London from Tokyo in about four and a half minutes. And the promo of the year was Tyson Dukes. What's that, Mama? When he went after Carter Mason's mom at Super Showdown. So be sure to catch all the action that Smash Wrestling has coming our way, whether it's this Friday in London or for any given Sunday in the return to Toronto on February 23rd. Yo, this is Tyson Dukes. I'm here to tell you I'm very excited to announce that on March 28th, Midwestern Wrestling returns, this time to Parkview Gardens in Lisbon. I'm very, very excited to be a part of the show once again. First one was off the chain. Let me tell you, these people, these fans, that's not even the wrestlers aside, aside from the wrestling altogether, the fans made that atmosphere so energetic, so insane. Best show I've been at in a long, long time. Just a feel-good atmosphere. We're doing it again. This time, this time, it's for belts. It's for championship belts. My main man, Tarek versus Tyson Dukes. This is what's going to go on. And listen, if you people like wrestling, if you like hard-hitting, hard-style professional wrestling, it's real, and it's real solid, and something you can get invested in, Midwestern Wrestling. And that brings us to our Midwestern Wrestling update for this week. I hope you joined us a week and a half ago on Thursday Night Throwdown when Chris Maloney and I had Clarence and Doug on our show to give you all the backstage stuff and creation of Midwestern Wrestling so you know their history and what to expect. But if you didn't, the card is coming up on March 28th, as Tyson said, in Listowel, Ontario at Parkview Gardens. You'll see Nova in action against Sabrina Kyle. There'll be a triple threat tag team match featuring Halal Beefcake, The Revolt, and the team of Bino and Nathan. The night train, Justin Sane, pulls into Listable to take on the wave maker, Kyle Boone. 
the muscle returns to listable to take on the Canadian buzzsaw Corey Stone. And back by popular demand, Psycho Mike Rollins returns to take on the endorsement Sebastian Suave. Plus, as Tyson Dukes just said, the first ever Midwestern Wrestling Championship will be presented. Will it be the machine Tyson Dukes or Mr. Punch Kick Chop Tarek? They're two of the pillars of the Ontario wrestling scene. Really close friends, but only one will walk away as the first ever Midwestern Wrestling Champion. You don't want to miss this event, so get your tickets now and join us on the road in Listowel on March 28th. We'll be doing a live in-car Facebook promo on the way to Listowel. We'll do a cut-in when we arrive at the Parkview Gardens. We'll do a mid-intermission uh, recap and a final after the final bell end of show show on Facebook with Chris Maloney and myself. So you want to join us on the road and be a part of everything that Midwestern Wrestling has to offer. You can even be a part of it on camera as well and give your feedback. So it's March 28th, Listowel, Ontario, Midwestern Wrestling, the first ever heavyweight champion will be crowned. And now let's take a look at all the other events happening through Ontario, courtesy of the Ontario Indie Road Trip, which you can find each and every week on Facebook and on YouTube. On February 7th, Hustle Brand Wrestling returns to Barrie for an ode to no one. On February 9th, Championship Wrestling from Ontario presents My Bloody Valentine at the Rock Pile in Toronto. February 13th, Championship Wrestling from Ontario returns to the Rock Pile for Thursday Night Slam in Toronto. February 14th, Crossbody Pro Wrestling presents Showcase 29 in Kitchener. Also, on, then on the 15th, Crossbody Pro Wrestling in Kitchener presents a Rich Swan Benefit Auction. There's many items up for grabs to help pay for Rich Swan's recent surgery that he hurt his ankle in a match just prior to Hard to Kill. Go to the Crossbody Pro Wrestling event page to find out the list of items that are up for grabs, including a lot of items that were donated by Madman Fulton. You can place your bids online under each photo that are presented for the items, and the winners will be announced after Crossbody Pro Wrestling presents Family Day Feud 4 in Kitchener on February 15th. So come out and see some great wrestling by Crossbody Pro Wrestling and support a great cause in Rich Swan and his medical bills. Also on February 15th, Pro Wrestling Ontario presents House of Fire in Burlington. The students at Ballard's Pro Wrestling present another great card in Mississauga on February 15th. On February 16th, Courage Pro Wrestling presents the second annual Hamilton Heritage Rumble in Hamilton, Ontario. Also in Hamilton, on February 16th, Alpha One Wrestling presents Deadly Encounter. And we wrap up this week's schedule with February 17th, Championship Wrestling from Ontario with Family Day at the Rock Pile in Toronto. You can catch more details of these cards and who's going to be on them by tuning into the Ontario Indie Road Trip this week on Facebook and YouTube.
It's Back London, the second annual Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo, presented by Hot Sauces Unlimited, on Saturday, February 29th at Centennial Hall. Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo is Southwestern Ontario's home of the heat. Enjoy hot sauces and spicy foods from over 40 international producers. All vendors provide free samples or up the ante and buy some meaty chicken wings at the show and spice them up however you like. Vegan food options are also available. With hundreds of hot sauces to choose from, it's a Chili Heads wonderland. Plus, fans attending get a totally unique experience of hot entertainment with eating competitions, chili cookouts, live podcasts, cooking demos, and a world record-setting feat of heat. The event it will be licensed with craft beer and spirits available for consumption to pair with the perfect sauce for fans of spice or those seeking an afternoon in the heat. Heat Wave is the place to be. The next Heat Wave takes place Saturday, February 29th, 2020 at Centennial Hall in London, Ontario, presented by Hot Sauces Unlimited. For more information, go to heatwaveexpo.com. Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Now let's check out some of the news happening throughout this past week in the wrestling world. It's been actually quite a busy week, so let's get to the news. Yesterday in Philadelphia, MLW was doing some more TV tapings, and they announced they have a working relationship with Dragon's Gate from Japan. They had been working with NOAA, but with the sale of NOAA to DDT, MLW needs to find a new partner in Japan, and that's going to be Dragon's Gate. It's not sure when Dragon's Gate stars will be making their way to MLW, but they still have to first get their passports and visas situated before making their first appearances. With the sale of NOAA to DDT, it is not known if NOAA will keep their relationship with Impact Wrestling or not, but... Now with NOAA and DDT together, NOAA now has a place for their television and events to take place on, and they'll be part of their streaming service with DDT. Ring of Honor is going to be bringing back the Pure title. There will be a tournament beginning in April to determine the new champion. This belt actually existed uh, between February '04 when AJ Styles first won it, until August 06, when it was unified with the main Ring of Honor uh, championship in a match between Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness. The title bans the use of closed fists and allows only three rope breaks during the match. After that, a pinfall or submission can happen in the ropes. So it's kind of an interesting uh, title to bring back. I'm not sure why, but at the same time, Ring of Honor is trying to do certain things in 2020 to spark interest. They already did that by providing a new contract to Marty Skrull and keeping him under contract there, giving him a little more booking power and stuff like that. So they're trying to right the ship, I guess, and not just exist, but actually be a player. I would assume for 2020. Also, Brody King has re-signed with Ring of Honor to stay there. Ring of Honor is going to be celebrating their 18th anniversary. Uh, They're going to have a show on March 13th. And then on March 14th, they're presenting a past versus present card. Ring of Honor has also announced that Marty Skrull will take on Jay White at Supercard of Honor on April 4th. 
in Lakeland, Florida. And that's part of uh, the whole invasion of the different companies in the Florida area for WrestleMania week. Speaking of WrestleMania week um, and other companies that are going to be invading that sort of area, there is going to be WrestleCon and there's a lot of different events happening through that, including New Japan. But TNA is returning for one night. Well, Impact Wrestling is bringing back the TNA name for one night only. Don't ask me why, because that's been sort of an albatross, as I've mentioned numerous times, for the success of Impact Wrestling going forward, because they can't seem to get rid of that stench that is named TNA. But they're doing No Place Like Home, and that'll happen on April 3rd, and be shown on Fight TV. This week, they announced that they'll have an Ultimate X match as part of the show. Stars also confirmed for the uh, return to TNA's uh, No Place Like Home include D'Lo Brown, Ken Anderson, Chris Saban, Wildcat Chris Harris, Scott Steiner, Petey Williams, Amazing Red, and Disco Inferno so far. Of course, there's bound to be more uh, people announced because right now, that list doesn't really inspire me to want to shell out some money to Fight TV to watch a rehash of TNA but that's happening coming up on April 3rd before that Impact is going to be taping another set of shows uh, this coming weekend in Las Vegas on February 7th through 9th Impact Wrestling will also return to Twitch I guess they got everything settled with the whole Rob Van Dam and the three-way situation that kicked them off of Twitch but they're apparently supposed to return to Twitch on February 21st for Outbreak in Lexington, Kentucky. And then Impact Plus will have Sacrifice on February 22nd from Louisville, Kentucky. Of course, as we know, Impact Wrestling comes to Windsor on March 28th for lockdown. And that will be at St. Clair College. The All Steel Cage event will be seen live on Impact Plus. So if you are not going to be here in London for Death Proof with their No Ring event happening at call the office and you're not joining us on the road for midwestern wrestling you can head down the 401 to windsor and catch impact wrestling's lockdown so there's a lot of wde news to get to and i'm going to do that in the next segment when i uh, look at what happened at the royal rumble and this week's events on uh, raw nxt and smackdown But there was still the NWA power, and this week was the first week with a new addition of Sean Mooney uh, to the broadcast team. That makes now five announcers, at least uh, with three at ringside and two actually doing the uh, calling of matches. This week, uh, there wasn't too much uh, wrestling going on. There was only about eight to nine minutes worth of action in total. But the show did start off with Sean Mooney talking to Nick Aldis about his match at Hard Times with Flip Gordon. Aldis put over uh, Flip as being a good uh, matchup, but ultimately was a flop because he ended up losing. And then Aldis mentioned that he had a sit-down with Marty Skrull that will be shown at the end of the show. Royce Isaacs had a uh, match and beat Andre Gunn in about a three- to four-minute match. Thunder Rosa, Melina, and Marty Bell then came out for an interview. Melina took credit for Rosa becoming the new women's champion. 
Rosa finally was able to speak up for herself and said that she's going to give Allison Kay a rematch for the title next week on Power. Ricky Starks then defended the uh, newly awarded TV title to with a victory over uh, Zicky Dice, sorry, and then that was pretty much the whole amount of wrestling that happened on this week. That was maybe a four to five minute match. The rest of the show was a lot of uh, talking, which was Eli Drake and James Storm. They talked about their tag team title win over the Rock and Roll Express and the Wild Cards. They were then confronted by Aaron Stevens and Question Mark, and a challenge was put out for the titles, and Drake uh, told them to wait their turn. Trevor Murdoch then came out and gave props to Ricky Starks for uh, beating him at hard times and being a fighting champion. He then called out Aaron Stevens for being a coward when he runs from the national title defenses that he uh, has to do. They're going to end up meeting next week. And the final segment was to sit down with uh, Nick Aldis and Marty Skrull. They talked about their uh, past match from last year's Cracker Cup and how Skrull had lost. Aldis felt that uh, that should have been the end of things there, but now Marty's back and wants another uh, shot at his title. Aldis said that they will fight at the next Crockett Cup coming up in April, and I guess they're still looking for a place to hold it. Nick uh, said that uh, they, he wants to encourage people to place their bids to be the host of the Crockett Cup 2020. But the ending of it said that he's going to defend against Marty the NWA title, but if Marty loses, he has to pay back every fan in attendance for their ticket. So that's kind of a little bit old school uh, little booking there and that stipulation because at the same time you're going to want the fans, I guess, wanting Marty to win. But at the same time, if Marty wins, they're not going to get their money back. So they might be pulling for Nick Aldis to win. So they're setting up an interesting situation with playing with the uh, emotions of the crowd. And that's supposed to happen sometime in April, and there's not really a date set or a location at the moment. So we'll have to wait and see what happens over the next little while on Power and more announcements. Then this week, AEW was making their debut in Ohio, and this is where uh, John Moxley actually lives. It was Cleveland, and the show had Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Jim Ross is always on the broadcast. John Moxley came out first with his eye patch over his eye from his uh, injury that Chris Jericho caused him. And he talked about his challenge to Chris Jericho for the AEW world title happening on February 29th in Chicago at Revolution. So Moxley basically said that he uh, knew that the fun games with Chris Jericho were over after he got a spike to the eye, uh, courtesy of Chris. And he says that he's not a role model, he's not perfect, he's not going to wear a white hat, black hat. He just wants to be a champion and be able to look himself in the mirror. And even if he actually doesn't win the title, he wants to wrestle with honor and let, and live by a code. And unfortunately, Chris Jericho, he sees more as a coward, a bully, and a, a little boy. And he hates bullies. So then he proceeds to call out Chris Jericho. Jericho does make his way out, and the fans in Cleveland attempted to sing Judas, but they weren't as good as the ones that were on the uh, Jericho cruise last week. 
Jericho says that uh, Moxley makes him laugh and that he deserves everything he's receiving from Jericho because he didn't say yes to joining the inner circle. Jericho basically refuses to have a fight with Moxley and then brings out his uh, other henchmen of the inner circle, Hager, Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz. Moxley doesn't want to back down because he's just like, hey, you know, it's not going to be five on one. It's going to be everybody in this arena against U5 because it's being Ohio and Ohio versus everybody like how they have in Impact Wrestling with uh, Sammy Callahan and his guys. But, yeah, that doesn't really happen. Jericho calls him a super son of a bitch, and they end up... Uh, they end up saying that they brought in some South Bronx street thugs with courtesy of Santana and Ortiz, and now it's 10 on uh, 1. Needless to say, there was a huge brawl that broke up between everybody, and referees and security had to split them up. Next thing we see is MJF and Wardlow in a video handing a money labeled the Young Bucks to the Butcher, the Blade and Bunny, and they're actually in a butcher shop cutting up meat and... Doing a whole uh, shtick that way, trying to give some background to the Butcher and Blade and Bunny. But, yeah, they're obviously trying to make them seem like they're hitmen and taking money from MJF to go after the Young Bucks. So, the next match was Butcher and Blade with Bunny at ringside. MJF and Warlow went to the broadcast uh, position and the match was set with the Young Bucks. This was a slower pace uh, for the Young Bucks, considering who they were going against. But, yeah, I really wasn't feeling this match. In the end, they hit a Meltzer driver on uh, the blade and picked up the victory for the Young Bucks. I'm actually quite disappointed in this factor uh, with this match. Like People like myself who saw Butcher and Blade... Uh, in Ontario, Quebec, and Buffalo, know that they are way better than what they're getting in AEW. I like the fact that they finally did some sort of uh, video like they did with uh, MJF and the Butcher Shop and taking money for basically a hit. But they should have done this sooner before debuting them and give them some sort of background so they didn't fall flat on the crowd. If they're going to boost them up at all and become anything other than just a job or tag team, they have to start picking up victory soon. The next match, uh, Nyla Rose, the Native Beast, taking on Big Swole. It was a decent back-and-forth match between the two ladies. It did take a uh, commercial break as well. And we had the pitcher-in-pitcher. Pitcher, but ultimately, the size and strength of uh, Nyla Rose was too much for Big Swole. And she was hit with a sit-down powerbomb, and Rose ended up getting the victory. Up next was Superbad Kip Sabian, accompanied by Penelope Ford, taking on the American Nightmare Cody, who had Arn Anderson, the head coach of the Nightmare family, in his corner. Uh, yeah, Sabian was getting a lot of um, offense on Cody. Penelope was also interfering. There was, at one point, she sh threw her shoe into the ring and nothing got uh, done. Arn Anderson 
had enough of uh, the shenanigans going on with Penelope Ford and got into the ring to confront the referee. He had Penelope's shoe in her in his hand. He ended up throwing it into the crowd. The referee was yelling at Arn to get out of the ring, and Arn did a, a whole little bump, uh, sort of like uh, an, NFL, an NFL coach would do to a ref, and uh, or even a baseball uh, coach would do to an umpire. And ultimately, he got kicked away from ringside, and... Cody tried to calm him down, so he left. The shenanigans continued. At one point, also, um, Saban and Penelope had the advantage on Cody, and they went for a kiss at the corner on the floor, and out of nowhere, sticking his head right in between uh, Penelope and Kip at the right uh, time was Penelope's ex, Joey Janela, and they both basically ended up kissing him on the cheeks. And it was very cartoonish, and they got mad, and Janela ran away, and that allowed Cody to take advantage and uh, get back into the match. Cody ended up ultimately winning the match in the end, and he'll be taking the 10 lashings from MJF next week when they're in a southern state, which is, they're trying to harken back to the old times of uh belts and uh, whips that would happen uh, during wrestling matches or in general in the uh, southern area. I believe they're also going to be paying a uh, tribute to uh, some stars from the uh, south that they're going to be in next week. Then, of course, they brought out uh, Britt Baker. They'd shown a clip from uh, last week's uh, interview, if you want to call it that, with uh, Shivani and Britt. JR made comment that he was told to uh, send it to commercial, and that's why she got cut off. So Britt came out. She's doing this over-the-top heel thing now, which actually seems to be working for her. But uh, she hoped that she didn't offend Tony last week with her remarks. Or Tony said that he hoped he didn't offend her. And uh, Britt wanted to make sure that uh, she was addressed to as a doctor and then went on to run down Jim Ross as a uh, guy who shills barbecue sauce, uh, just like last week, how she told about Tony being a Starbucks barista. And so that seems to be her gimmick at the moment, which, like I said, it's getting over uh, better than her non-character and greenness. She needs to improve in the ring. But she uh, also finished by basically calling out uh, Rio, who has not been around, unlike how she is. And just to poke fun at the Cleveland fans uh, one more time, she said that they now have a baker that they can trust in. So that was basically what went on with uh, Britt Baker's uh, segment. Then we saw a new correspondent, Lexi, which turns out to be uh, DDP's daughter, and she was backstage interviewing the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks mentioned about their victory, uh, helping them climb up the rankings. Kenny Omega joined them to congratulate his friends. Adam Page stumbled in drunk and uh, said that he just got his plates, his nameplates for his tag team title and proceeded to give a nameplate to the Young Bucks for whenever they finally get their uh, titles. Omega said that uh, he was 
late because he was uh, preoccupied setting up a match for next week. And there's going to be an eight-man tag involving the Young Bucks, Paige, and Omega taking on the Butcher Blade and uh, the Lucha Brothers. So Kella and Censored came out next, and they uh, were wearing uh, number 24 Lakers jerseys in honor of uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter, who had passed away this week in a uh, tragic helicopter uh, crash. They took on the Hybrid 2, Angelico and Jack Evans. Basically a high-paced uh, tag team match between the two teams with uh, SCU gaining the victory. Then Dark Order uh, came on screen and Evil Uno was in a stairwell with uh, his guys, including Stu Grayson. And he was uh, targeting Christopher Daniels saying that the Exalted One is very unhappy and that he is unhappy and acts swiftly. And he's going to target someone close to Christopher Daniels. So we'll have to see what happens uh, with that, whether it's somebody that's not in SEU or a member of SEU to get after Daniels. But for whatever reason, the Dark Order is going after him. Plus, we're going to have to wait and see how long it is before they uh, reveal who the Exalted One is. The main event of the night is a private party teaming with Darby Allen to take on Santana and Ortiz along with uh, Le Champion, Chris Jericho. So that was six-man tag team action. Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager were at ringside for this uh, six-man tag team matchup between everybody. Uh, Hager tried to get involved. There was a coffin drop uh, from Darby Allen from the top rope to the floor on Hager. Uh, it almost looked like they were going to pick up a victory. Private Party and Darby were... But in the end, Isaiah Cassidy uh, took the Judas effect for the three count. Then the entire inner circle stormed the ring uh, to do more damage to the private party and Darby Allen. They got rid of private party and just uh, targeted Allen. And they used a skateboard to jam it into uh, his neck like you've seen uh, people do with steel chairs. And so they basically beat down Allen. It wasn't until uh, Moxley came out with a baseball bat to take out everybody from the inner circle and send them retreating. So next week on February 5th, uh, Dynamite will be back and they're going to be in Huntsville and that's where we're going to see the five lashes plus the eight-man tag. With any luck, we're going to get more matches set up for Revolution, which is happening at the end of February on the 29th, I believe, uh, in Chicago. Yeah, February 29th in Chicago. Right now, we only know about the AEW Championship match being Moxley challenging Chris Jericho for the belt. So we need to uh, start getting that card into place, and next week better be uh, a good start to it. Shock Stock 2020 is coming to the Ramada London on May 1st to the 3rd, the new Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near as the outside world falls into chaos. Word of a sanctuary for mutants, freaks, goblins, and geeks spreads throughout the land. It's three days of thrills and chills 
with screenings, panels, celebrities, workshops, interactive fun, vendors, and all-nighter parties. See special guests like James Lawrence, Mike Lackey, B.A. Johnson, and Sadie Katz. Shockstock 2020 is brought to you by Shockstock, Twisted Tees, Rotten Rags, and Taboo Textiles. For tickets and booking information, go to growtix.com. Shockstock 2020. You don't want to miss it. This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Last week we ended up covering the results from NWA, Hard Times, and the WWE Worlds Collide with uh, NXT taking on NXT UK. So thankfully I was able to get that covered because it was in time for the Royal Rumble, which was last Sunday coming to us from Houston at the Minute Maid Park. And yeah, it was actually a really good card with a few surprises, especially the return of Edge. And uh, yeah, so let's uh, take a look at the results from the uh, Royal Rumble and run it all down. The pre-show had a singles match uh, featuring Sheamus defeating Shorty G, that happened in about 12 and a half minutes. Uh, actually, I was quite surprised that this match went so long because, you know, I think I've mentioned it before, it's kind of a waste of Sheamus to be coming back just to go against Shorty G. No offense to uh, Chad Gable, but his character is just horrible, for starters. And for Sheamus to return, I would have liked to have seen him try and be a little more impactful and be um, the SmackDown version of what Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre seem to be over on Raw. So, either way, it was a little bit of a waste of time on that one. Um, the Broad Kick got the victory. Then, the other uh, match on the uh, pre-show saw Andrade with Zelina Vega in his corner taking on Umberto Carrillo. Andrade picked up the victory in about 15-ish minutes, and he retained the United States Championship. Then on the actual pay-per-view, it started off with Roman Reigns taking on King Corbin in a false Count Anywhere match. Of course, that was the uh, best way that they could use their uh, setting since they are in a baseball uh, stadium and wanted to get more interaction that way. And with it being a false count anywhere match, it also allowed the uh, use of the Usos, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler to get involved. And of course they did. They even found a way of getting to a portable toilet for, I don't know why it was there, but there was a portable toilet. Uh, He got put, Corbin got put in it and then it got tipped over. Uh, Eventually they ended up on top of one of the dugouts. And that's where Roman hit a super punch and a spear to pick up the victory. Sadly, as we would find out on SmackDown later on this week, it was not the last that we saw of Baron Corbin and Roman Reigns. Backstage, Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe were together talking about uh, being in the Royal Rumble, not 
waiting to want to uh, get rid of Seth Rollins as soon as they can and move on to victory. Of course, they tease the whole factor that there are no friends, only enemies in the Royal Rumble, and that if it came down to it, they'd have to fight each other. And that's how that segment ended. Next up was the Women's Royal Rumble match, and that began with Alexa Bliss drawing number one and Bianca Belair getting number two. During the match, uh, Lana, who was the fifth entrance, was eliminated by Liv Morgan uh, due to their ongoing uh, rivalry. There was a moment when Mandy Rose got eliminated, or so it seemed, but somehow she landed on top of Otis without her feet touching the floor, and Otis was able to pick her up and get her back into the ring, but then she got sent off again, and Otis caught her. Then Sonya Deville got sent out of the ring and toppled into the mall, and so then both Fire and Desire were eliminated from the Battle Royal. Bianca Belair actually did a huge uh, showing for herself. She eliminated like eight uh, women and also uh, lasted, I think, the longest in the match. Uh, Shayna Baszler also, who was the uh, 30th entrant in the match, uh, she eliminated eight to uh, tie Bianca Belair. So they both have the record for the most uh, eliminations for a women's match. But the ending saw Charlotte Flair uh, eliminate Shayna Baszler to win the uh, match and earn herself a women's championship uh, title opportunity at WrestleMania 36. Notable uh, additions to the uh, Battle Royal included the return of Mighty Molly. Beth Phoenix was there and she ended up cutting her head out uh, on the back uh, with a shot at the ring post and she had blood all in the back of her blonde hair. Uh, Kelly Kelly was there. And, of course, there was a confrontation between Beth Phoenix and Santina Marella uh, that uh, went back to the time when Santina won Miss WrestleMania uh, it, when they did the Battle Royal in Houston. And Santina was confronted by both Natty and Beth and brought out the Cobra. But because they were staring Santina down, Santina ended up hitting herself with the cobra and eliminated uh, without being even touched so it was a little bit of a comedy segment i'm not sure if i uh was down with it but at least had some history there and took a little bit away from the match itself um uh, yeah i had to actually pick shana basler to win but charlotte has won it we'll see where she uh decides to cash in her uh, title opportunity on which champion, whether it's going to be the SmackDown champion or the Raw, maybe even NXT title. So we'll have to wait and see as rumors have it. Up next was uh, Bailey defending the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship against Lacey Evans. Bailey hit the uh, a roll-up on Evans to retain the title. There was a little bit of a slip by Evans uh, when she tried to get you back into the ring and do a springboard, uh, but she landed properly, or at least caught herself, and was able to turn it into like a punch instead of doing what she had intended to do. Um, Lacey is getting better, I'd say, but still has a long way to go before I'd like to see a title on her. Uh, then we had Bray Wyatt, uh, the Fiend, 
defending the Universal Championship against Daniel Bryan in a strap match. They went back and forth for a while. Uh, Fiend was dominating the first portion of the match, and Daniel got a lot of uh, whips from that uh, strap, and you can see the welts uh, coming up on him. Daniel did eventually get the label lock on, but it wasn't enough uh, to keep the Fiend down. They attempted running knee. Uh, he even tried whipping uh, the Fiend some more. And near the end, the Fiend just stopped selling anything. Applied the mandible claw on Brian um, as he tried to escape. The Fiend then picked him up and hit a uh, mandible claw to get the victory and retain the title. And following the match, medical personnel tended to Daniel Bryan to help him out. The final match before the uh, men's Royal Rumble saw Becky defending her uh, Raw Women's Championship against Asuka. Asuka had Kerry Zane in her corner. Of course, this was wondering whether or not Becky Lynch could uh, finally beat Asuka since last year at the Royal Rumble. Asuka defeated her, and now that Asuka's been using the Green Mist and has Kerry by her side... The odds seemed stacked against uh, Becky Lynch, and she seemed to uh, lose her confidence. In this case, she was able to uh, almost hit the referee because Oscar uh, sent her into that, but she stopped. The ref uh, tried to recover, turned around, and Oscar was attempting to use the green mist, but she got kicked before she could spit, and it went up in the air and into her own eyes. And that's when uh, Becky was able to hit the disarmer and force Asuka to tap out and Becky retained her championship. So now it's not sure if she'll be looking at Charlotte as a challenger to her title at WrestleMania or not. But that's uh, one monkey off of uh Becky Lynch's shoulders being able to finally defeat Asuka. This brought us to our main event of the night, which was the Men's Royal Rumble. It was announced uh, for weeks that Brock Lesnar was going to enter number one, and he attempted to try and run the gauntlet, which it was working for at least half of the uh, event, because Elias was number two, and he tried to sing a song, and Lesnar went after him. Chased him down, threw him in the ring, quickly eliminated him, and he made quick work of the next uh, few entrants, just tossing them here and there as they kept on coming. Uh, that included Kofi Kingston, and Eric Rowan didn't last long, Robert Roode, John Morrison, Kofi Kingston, Rey Mysterio, Big E, and Cesaro all lasted very short times. I think the longest one was Kofi with about five minutes. Everybody else was under a minute uh, that they were in the uh, ring with Brock for. Shelton Benjamin uh, thought he was going to be friends with Brock and going to be able to team together since they have their history of rooming together and being from Minnesota. But Brock quickly turned on him and got rid of him. Nakamura, he didn't last uh, much longer and he was the Intercontinental Champion. There was a surprise entrant by Montel Vontavious Porter, but he lasted only four seconds longer than Nakamura. Keith Lee got in there, and he actually was 
able to at least spend some time in the ring with uh, Brock. Brock looked kind of impressed by going, oh, big boy, and uh, just making comments about Keith's size. They battled it out for a bit. Then they were joined by Braun Strowman. Unfortunately, Strowman and Lee got into it with each other, and that allowed uh, Brock to get in there and sneak them out of the ring. So Brock had basically got rid of uh, the first 14 or sorry, 13 people in a row uh, before he ended up running into uh, Ricochet, who was able to last a little bit of time. And that's when Drew McIntyre came in at number 16. And thanks to a low blow from Ricochet, McIntyre hit the Claymore and sent Brock flying from the ring. The rest of the time that Brock was out there, uh, McIntyre was staring at him, but McIntyre also uh, focused himself on winning the match, which he ended up doing. Other uh, people that uh, came and left quite quickly in the match included uh, The Miz, AJ Styles, and AJ unfortunately got injured. Uh, he hurt his shoulder, I believe, on a spear uh, from what I heard from Edge. Uh, caused some problems and he had to get uh, Edge to toss him out um, quicker than he was supposed to. He was supposed to be in there a lot longer than almost eight minutes. Uh, Dolph Ziggler went, uh, was in there for a while. Carl Anderson was there. Of course, Edge came out at number 21, blew the roof off of uh, Minute Maid Park uh, with his uh, return. And he was actually uh, down to the uh, finals in the ring. King Corbin was out uh, as well. Matt Riddle made an appearance. Uh, mind you, it was a short one, but he represented NXT. Luke Gallows was there. Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, Aleister Black, Samoa Joe, and Seth Rollins was number 30. So, like, pretty much the last half of the uh, pool, with the exception of Roman Reigns, were all Raw guys. And it came down to the final four. Of Randy Orton, Edge, Roman Reigns, and Drew McIntyre. But actually, before that all happened, when Seth came out, he was accompanied by Buddy Murphy, Akam, and Razor. Joe and Owens went after them, and they started brawling on the floor. Rollins would then eliminate Joe and Owens, thanks to interference from Murphy, Akam, and Razor. And that's when, as I said, it got down to the final four. Uh, there was a brief uh, reunion of uh, Rated RKO between Edge and Orton. And after Orton had teased uh, trying to get rid of uh, Edge with a RKO, because Edge caught him uh, from behind, about to sneak up, and they were like, oh, no, it's okay, it's okay. They were going to go after, uh, I think, Roman, and Edge ended up eliminating uh, Orton. And Orton looked like, oh, yeah, buddy, you got me, you got me. Um Edge was then eliminated by Roman Reigns. So it kind of gave a little bit of uh, a heel-ish uh, heat to Reigns in time for them to be able to get the uh, pop with uh, McIntyre getting rid of Reigns after a Claymore and ended up winning the Royal Rumble for uh, 2020. And now Drew McIntyre will go on to WrestleMania 36 with a championship match. Overall, it was a decent event. I uh, did enjoy the seeing the Royal Rumble this year, and a lot of the outcomes 
Yeah, I did uh, predict uh, pretty well. I think the only one I didn't uh, really do well on was, well, with the women's uh, championship, or, sorry, the women's uh, Royal Rumble. I wanted Shayna Baszler to win. And other than that, yeah, I got uh, pretty much all that right. There had been, I guess, uh, a last-minute decision on who was going to end up winning the Royal Rumble anyways for the men and women, and that was decided last-minute backstage. So I could have almost had that one perfect, too. Either way, it's leading to WrestleMania 36. But there's a lot of uh, events that are happening in between that time. Because WWE is going to be heading to Saudi Arabia on February 27th. And that's going to be uh, for another super showdown. Right now we have New Day taking on Miz and Morrison for the SmackDown Tag Titles. There's also going to be the Elimination Chamber on March 8th. NXT TakeOver happening in Tampa on April 4th. And of course then WrestleMania April 5th. And spoiler from uh, what happened earlier. Brock and Drew McIntyre are going to face off with the WWE Championship. Of course before that there's also NXT Portland happening on February 16th. And that's going to be on WWE Network. Uh, There's going to be a street fight with Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. Finn Balor is going to go against Johnny Gargano. Rhea Ripley defends the women's title against Bianca Belair. The Undisputed Era will defend their tag team titles against the Broserweights, who won the Dusty Cup this past Wednesday. And Adam Cole will defend the NXT Championship against Tommaso Ciampa. So there's a lot of uh, events coming up on WWE Network that are not just your regular Raw, SmackDown, and NXT shows. And we have a lot going on on the road to WrestleMania. So that's NXT Portland on February 16th. I'll be back in just a moment with all the news from this past week involving WWE. And we'll look at what happened on the shows. Hello, do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learn all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. 
They're just $40 up to extra large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. I'm Kyle Boone, one handsome SOB, and you're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Checking out the news in WWE. WWE announced the immediate release of George Barrios and Michelle Wilson from their duties in WWE after 10 years of service with the company. Essentially, these two were the left and right hands of Vince McMahon on the business side of things for the WWE. Frank Riddick III will be the interim CFO for the time being. This is a huge loss for WWE and is apparently due to professional differences. This has caused the WWE stock to drop almost $20 after the announcement. This also comes just a week before their investors call and the launch of the XFL next week. Word came out this week that both Bella twins, Bree and Nikki, are pregnant and are due within weeks of each other. This will be the second child for Bree and Daniel Bryan and the first for Nikki and her partner. They say that they found out during Thanksgiving time and this should be a focal point for the next season of Total Bellas when it returns in the spring. Tegan Knox was so taken by her inclusion in her first ever Royal Rumble that she went out and got the number 28 tattooed behind her ear. There was a bit of a heated encounter between Brock Lesnar and Matt Riddle during the Royal Rumble. Brock stated that he will never work a program with Riddle. Matt has included Brock in his tweets to attempt getting a match with Brock. And Matt said to have remained calm and professional when confronted by Brock. Riddle then said later in a WWE Performance Center video that he still wants a shot at Brock and that it is not up to Brock if that match happens or not. Andrade has been suspended for 30 days for his first wellness policy violation. Instead of dropping the title to Humberto Carrillo on Monday, he was DDT'd on the floor and has been written out for the next month. Before Edge came back officially to WWE, there was talk that he had been approached by AEW with an offer. But the WWE's offer is immensely huge and definitely worth him taking over an AEW deal. In this case, Edge's new deal with the WWE has it being three years for $3 million per year with three matches and 25 appearances each year. As seen this past Monday, Randy Orton took Edge uh, out at the end of the show. It's been expected that Edge and Orton will face off against each other in a match at WrestleMania in April. So there could be some build-up time in his appearances when he's ready to return. But this definitely gets him off TV for a little bit before he can come back and seek revenge on Randy Orton and set up the official match at WrestleMania. Bret Hart uh, said that he was diagnosed with skin cancer and it's been caught early enough that he is scheduled for surgery very soon to remove it. Ryback has uh, contacted WWE trying to get his trademarks for his name uh, released and given back to him. Apparently WWE decided to trademark those names even though Ryback claims that he made them up himself and not the WWE 
And WD would like him to pay about $200,000 to get these trademarks for himself. So there's a little bit of a battle going on there. The Revival have once again asked for their release from WWE. They're not happy with their positioning in the company, even though they've uh, received a couple of tag team titles since their last time that they requested a release from WWE. So who knows what's going to happen. I don't think they have much time left on their uh, deal unless I'm wrong, and there's actually a couple more years. I thought I heard it was the spring, so even if it is, just hold it out, guys, and do whatever you need to do. Go wherever you want to go. If it's AEW, get lost in the shuffle. If it's Ring of Honor, maybe you actually do something. Who knows? But the Revival is looking for their release from WWE again. John Cena was recently interviewed, and he said that he thinks that Brock Lesnar is the best in-ring performer of all time. After his performance at the Royal Rumble this year, he's certain of it. And then when he was asked about his plans for WrestleMania, Cena said that he's not working on a movie, lives in Tampa, and will be waiting for the call from Vince to take part in WrestleMania. He said that there is no job too small for him to do that night. On February 22nd, Netflix will be adding The Girl on the Third Floor, featuring CM Punk, to their lineup. MVP appeared at the Royal Rumble and also faced Rey Mysterio on the Raw this past Monday. After his match on Monday, MVP uh, posted on Twitter, One for the history books. My final WWE match took place on Monday night, Raw, against my close friend and legend, Rey Mysterio. A great way to close out my out that chapter. The end of my career looms larger every month. It's been one hell of a ride. It's not finished just yet, but soon, very soon. Thank you, WDE and the WDE Universe, for all the love that... And what an amazing week I've had. As a part of Bell's Let's Talk Day here in Canada... This week, Mauro Ranallo was a guest on TSN Radio 1040 out of Vancouver. He talked about the struggles with uh, mental illness that he has and the treatment he seeks out when he's not on the road. They also brought up the comments made by Corey Graves over the Survivor Series weekend where Graves had uh, criticized Mauro's calling of NXT and basically that kind of set Mauro off with his uh, depression issues and bipolarism. And unfortunately, he didn't show up at the uh, Survivor Series to do commenting and removed himself from social media. And I don't believe he was on the next uh, episode of NXT. Since that time, Graves has apologized to Ronaldo uh, publicly on his After the Bell podcast on December 4th. And Amaro had the following to say about the incident. It was a blessing in disguise. I have nothing really to say about Corey Graves or anyone else in my professional experience in the sense that everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Everyone is able to critique everyone the way they would. I would never do something like that to a co-worker, but that has been addressed and if anything... I publicly thank Corey Graves because he was the straw that broke the proverbial back in terms of my social media activity. And I will say here and now, I have deactivated all my social media since November. And I would implore everyone, especially those with mental health issues, 
Social media is so dangerous to those of us with mental health conditions, and I know in the media and our everyday lives, now people are being hired and fired by their social media followings or the amount of information they post or how popular they are. I think it's a disease, so out of that situation with my uh, colleague, I am no longer on social media. I will never get back on social media. So yeah, with that said, it, I can see where his point is, and he's definitely uh, struggled with it. There's even that whole documentary that HBO did on him. Uh, I believe TSN showed it. Go out of your way to seek that out and uh, see exactly what Mauro Ronaldo is going through. It's a shame that Corey's words affected him that much and he needed to get off social media but if that's what he needs to be to be healthy then all the power to Morrow and wish him luck and just happy to see him back on NXT calling weekly uh, matches and of course he'll be doing that again with NXT Portland coming up in two weeks. Taking a look back at uh, some of the highlights from this week on WWE TV Drew McIntyre started Monday Night Raw off. He didn't want to play any games and guessing who he's going to challenge since he won the Raw Rumble and now can get a title shot of his choice. He made a point clear that it will be Brock Lesnar that he's challenging for the title. Then he ended up defeating Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson in a handicap match. Rey Mysterio defeated MVP in what was now... Posted as being MVP's final match with WWE. Alistair Black defeated Kenneth Johnson in a very quick match. And then Black decided to state that instead of waiting for people to come after him, he's just going to take it to people. And so you never know what's going to happen. I don't know if this is an indication of a heel turn. We'll have to see who he takes it to in the coming weeks if they're on the face or heel side of things. And, yeah, hopefully this means more for Aleister Black in the future. The Raw Tag Team Champions Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy defeated Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe. Uh, during the match, uh, Joe ended up getting hurt, got taken out, so it became a handicap match and didn't look like it was unintentional. Uh, if you know what I mean by that. It looked like Joe was intentionally taken out of that and it was supposed to be part of the spot in the uh, thing, but I guess it wasn't from uh, what reports have said. It's just that's how crisp Rollins, Murphy, and Owens are in being able to carry on with a match and make it still competitive and not look like they're totally ab-living. So congratulations to the three of them for being able to uh, pull that out. Hopefully Joe isn't uh, seriously injured. Could be just a uh, light concussion they're going to be checking on and that they can get back to what they were supposed to do uh, in the coming weeks. Humberto Carrillo defeated uh, United States champion Andrade by disqualification when Zelina Vega got involved. That's when uh, Carrillo ended up doing the uh, DDT spot on the floor, just like what happened to him and put him out. Now he's putting out Andrade for a bit. Uh, the title is still on Andrade, and we'll see him in about 30 days since he received his first violation for the wellness policy. 
Charlotte Flair then came out and defeated Asuka by disqualification. There was a lot of interference from Carrie Zane. Uh, she didn't indicate who she's going to be challenging for her uh, Royal Rumble uh, win, uh, which title she's going to go after. Uh, then we actually had the 24-7 championship defended in ring, and Mojo Brawley uh, came to ringside with his new offensive tackle. Uh, his name is uh, Riddick Moss. He was in uh, NXT and uh, apparently did play football before, um, but he's now his offensive lineman, and Mojo doesn't want to do all the uh, silliness of chasing after or running away from people trying to get his belt, and he ended up uh, beating No Way Jose very quickly, but for an offensive lineman, he really didn't uh, do his job at first because R-Truth got in before Moss could get in the ring, and R-Truth picked up the victory and took the uh, 24-7 title away from Mojo. That's 35-ish times that R-Truth is now champion, but Moss did get in the way of Truth leaving. Mojo was able to uh, get R-Truth and take back the title. Liv Morgan ended up taking on uh, Lana and got the victory. It was a relatively short match. And, yeah, hopefully they keep it very short if they're going to continue anything that's going on with them. Eric Rowan destroyed a uh, local competitor named Brandon Weiss. It didn't uh, take too long. And the uh, critter in the cage is still there. Sadly enough, that was actually the main event match. But the final segment had Edge coming out and talking about how great it was to be back. And then he was confronted by Randy Orton. They talked about uh, possibly reforming rated RKO. And just when it looked like it was going to happen, Randy Orton hit Edge with the RKO out of nowhere. Then he got a chair and hit Edge in the back with it. He put Edge's head between the uh, back and the seat of it and was climbing to the second rope, about to jump off and uh, stomp it. But then he thought differently. He got out of the ring and left. After also though taking the chair off Edge's uh, neck. As he was leaving, he changed his mind yet again and ran back, picked up two chairs, tossed them into the ring, and ended up giving a concerto to Edge to end the night. It's unknown when we're going to actually see Edge next, but one would have to believe that it'll be in time for setting up for WrestleMania, Randy Orton, and Edge, the Battle of Rated RKO. Over on NXT, which happens Wednesday nights, Finn Balor defeated Trent Seven. Balor attacked uh, Trent early before getting into the ring and got the victory. Shotzi Blackheart came to the ring driving a mini tank and she defeated Diona Perrazzo. Dominic Dajakovic de defeated Damian Priest. NXT champion Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa signed their contract to battle at TakeOver Portland and Ciampa put Cole through a table after it. Tegan Knox defeated Dakota Kai but their brawl has now resulted in them getting a 
match that's going to be a street fight at uh, TakeOver Portland. Caden Carter defeated Chelsea Green. Kind of surprising to me that Green is already getting a uh, loss. Because I thought they were going to be building her up well. But who knows what's going on with there. And then the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic happened. And the Broserweights, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, ended up defeating the Grizzled Young Veterans from NXT UK in the finals. And now we will see Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne def- challenging the Undisputed Era Fish and O'Reilly for the tag team titles at Portland. Then over on SmackDown, which they called Super SmackDown since it's Super Bowl Sunday tonight, they started off with uh, Roman Reigns and the Usos in the ring, and they were interrupted by Baron Corbin, Robert Roode, and Dolph Ziggler. This ended up setting up the main event six-man tag team match with the loser having to eat dog food. Then there was a uh, four-way tag team match with the number one contendership for the SmackDown Tag Team titles on the line. The winners were going to meet the New Day at Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia on, I believe, that's the 27th of February. And the Miz Morrison defeated Heavy Machinery, The Revival, and Lucha House Party to become the new number one contenders. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were looking to become the number one contenders for the Kabuki Warriors, and they ended up defeating... Fire and Desire, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Now, it hasn't been determined yet if they're going to be the number one contenders or not. And if they are, when the tag team title shot is going to happen. So we'll have to wait and see details on that. Braun Strowman defeated Shinsuke Nakamura to win the Intercontinental title. Even though there was interference by Cesaro and Sami Zayn, it wasn't enough to hold back Braun from getting the title. Sheamus defeated Shorty G yet again. Naomi made a statement uh, by taking down Bailey, and so it looks like Naomi is going to be trying to uh, become the new SmackDown Women's Champion leading into WrestleMania. And the main event saw Roman Reigns and the Usos defeating King Corbin, Ziggler, and Rude, and they forced Corbin to eat dog food at the end, so it looked like the other two got off scot free. They cuffed Corbin up just like Roman was, and they dumped buckets of dog food all over King Corbin to end the show. So that's everything going on in WD this past week with the news and everything that happened this week on TV. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Her name. 